0: Welcome to episode 28 of Lost in Translation, as always, coming to you from the WCTV studios in Wilmington, Massachusetts, with the man, the myth, the legend, Bobby Martin. Bobby, good to have you this morning.
1: Great to be back in studio, episode 28, love
0: it. We're doing a good job of getting these going. Uh, Today, we are joined by just... Absolutely incredible videographer is extremely well known now to the Wilmington community after you know less than I don't know maybe six months it's been filming here. But uh, you go to Wilmington High School games and uh, you talk to the teams, everybody knows Brando because he's incredible, very well known across Massachusetts high school and college scene, uh, New England high school and college scene. He is you know, we had Bobby Media in here, who I was like, Bobby Media is, I think, the best videographer in New England. But honestly, after watching Brando's work, I would say that it is, I couldn't tell you who's better between the two of them out of, out of uh, videographers. Brando's just an incredible videographer. Brando, thank you for being here today.
2: Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you being here. It's my first podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I don't choke up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know,
0: incredible videographer and incredible talent. Also, incredible story. Brandon's out there. He's working with one arm. And he freehands stuff. It's not just on a tripod. And, and that's not like, you know, there are plenty of times when using a tripod is the thing to do. And it is. I use tripods plenty. It gives you stability. It gives you three points of contact. You know so you you, you it, it's not like oh using a tripod like no it's it's what you do but like there are times when you want to freehand stuff brando freehand stuff he's doing it with one arm which is insane um just brando what would you say about about how you got into videography and 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 it's an art how'd you get into it
2: um well first i want to say uh bobby media shout out bobby media i love that guy um definitely a crazy great videographer um, i remember seeing him from when he started to where he is now just amazing guy um, I definitely started like in maybe high school junior year um, I was like really into like YouTube videos like I was into like travel vlog stuff like that like um, uh, I remember watching like a bunch of travel vlogs uh, you know Sam colder all those like um, you know if I don't know how, but I, I just watched a lot of travel vlogs I was really inspired um, I remember junior year I like begged my parents for a camera like I picked up like a DSLR I just was like please give me a camera (laughs) like I I remember asking my dad asking my mom like I just please give me a camera Um, luckily they did Um, and then I think like towards the middle of like junior year I just started making vlogs with my friends like something silly they're still on YouTube if you want to watch them they're like so cringe but um, I remember just making stuff with my friends just having a good time you know just filming my day, doing whatever, playing soccer, all that, you know, like, just capturing it all. And then um, going into senior year, like, I really liked what I was doing with my camera. Like, I loved filming, I loved editing. And I remember quitting the the soccer team because during high school I played soccer, like, all my life. And I quit senior year. Um, I became, like, my school's videographer. Um, a lot of my friends were on the football team, so they asked me to come take photos. Um, I eventually did that, and then eventually I just started going to every high school game you could imagine. Like, I was on the sideline. Um, I remember staying after school editing. Like, my digital media teacher, he eventually gave me a kind of like a work-study period. I don't think anybody had that. You know, I just had a, like a period where I just got to edit videos for the school, you know? Like, that's, that's all I did, and it was pretty sick. I don't know. Hopefully that summed it up. <laughs> so I mean the it's, I still
0: get uncomfortable asking you about it, even though you've been like it's totally yeah. fine, but what are the challenges of being a videographer and working with with one heart with one arm and, and and you don't have full fingers on that arm yeah. too? Like how how difficult how much harder was it for you because you're incredible and that's the thing Is like it's not just it's not like i hesitate to bring it up because then people are i almost feel like it's going to be like oh well, we're going to grab on a great curve like he's a great videographer because for a film with one arm said, no like you look at his work you're a better videographer than me i've been doing it for a long time i'm not a bad videographer <laughs> you're significantly better like you are if i was to go out there and just say who is the best videographer I don't know who I would say between you or Bobby Media, but right. it'd be you two and then everybody else that's that's in the area. Like, you're an incredible videographer, period. But to be that good and to only have one arm and only have partial fingers, like, how much harder and how how hard was it you, when you got started? And was there ever a point where you were like, man, because when you start get, getting into sports, you want to use longer lenses. You want to use, like, sensitive cinema cams. Longer right. lenses are heavy. <laughs> like, my arms, I'm a big dude. Right and like I'm not bobby big but I'm for a short dude I'm very yeah. solid and I can lift some decent amount of weight still despite being old and fat um and my arms get tired man when I'm freehanding stuff and I'm using two arms like right. how hard is that when you're when, and how hard was it to learn and how hard is it to be out there
2: right so I'll just, like, my accident when it happened, it was, like, really young. I was, like, seven months old. I was, oh, wow. like, really young. I was a baby. Um, I'm not even from America. I, w- I was born in Guatemala, and my accident was really, like I said, really, I was really young. I was, like, a mm-hmm. baby. Um, I have had one arm my entire life. I've been in this condition my entire life. So when you're kind of like this for your entire life, you kind of are used to what you have and what you like, kind of, like, what you have, you know? Um, So having one arm and doing all that, like, I kind of got used to everything with one arm, you know? Like, picking up a camera, like, doing all that. Like, I kind of had to not necessarily figure it out. I just did it with one arm, if that makes any sense. You know, like, you know how when you ride a bike, you, like, like you are already naturally, like, putting two hands on the steering wheel all that. Like, I just Mm -hmm. naturally just did it with one arm you know like if i had this accident maybe at 18 or 19 older maybe it would have been different and like um you know i had difficult time to adapt but because of me having this accident at a really young age and kind of just being like this like just getting accustomed to the situation i'm in i kind of just did it naturally if that makes any sense um and then the videography part like Thankfully, like, a lot of the newer gear, like the 70-200, like the version 2, really like, really light um, lens. It's lighter than the older seventy two hundred from Sony, really light. Um, even the mirrorless cameras, they're really light. A lot of them, light equipment. Um, obviously, there are lenses, like a 400 millimeter where it's like, four or five pounds and those are a lot heavier but i never really kind of like dabbled into those like i never really touched any of those um i kind of just work what i have and kind of you know do what i can you know like i don't really need a crazy 400 millimeter lens i don't really need any of that unless it's like necessary you know like i kind of just like to work what i have and you know see what i can do
1: you know I- your your story is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I've got a question. So, yeah. you know, you've you've been you've been like this for you know, since you were what seven years old? Seven months. Seven months old. Yeah. Okay, so this is seven months. So yeah. this is really all you knew. Yeah. And how do you feel when you see others, quote unquote, blessed with so much and complaining? That you know, because you've dealt with less for so long and you've made the best you can of it. What what does that make you feel like? I mean, do you
2: What like people complaining about like their circumstances? Right, exactly,
1: circumstances.
2: <sighs> I mean, it's different for everybody. You know, I luckily I've been in I've been in an environment where I get to think positively. You know, I think positively every day. You know, I get to wake up and I get to do this. You know, not many people get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um You know, unfortunately, people, their environments just aren't the same. You know, everybody's environment is different and it leads them to think certain ways, you know. And so um, I hope the people that, you know, complain, you know, realize that they get to live the life they get to live. You know, there are people in much dire situations than me and who would love to have my life, you know. And the fact that I get to do what I do is, is a blessing, you know, and it's all thanks to God. And um, I don't know, I think people just um, just need to think that, like, they get to do what they get to do, you know? Like, it's it's beautiful, you know?
0: Do, do you feel like there's—have there ever been—I forget you feel like. Like, you, you experience it, so you know whether it has or not. Yeah. Have there ever been— times where like you're such a good guy from people see your work right you would hope people are always talking about like oh we need to live in a meritocracy and like on merit like you're just as good as there is out there right are there ever times when you get hired for a new job and people don't know you and you show up and you feel like maybe they're having doubts until they see your final product
2: 100 percent i i think it's i mean a lot of people love to you know judge by the cover and Mm -hmm. once they see my work they're like dude like your work's unbelievable and i kind of knew from like the beginning they were like kind of doubting a little bit but i always tell myself like let the work speak for itself you know like i i know what i'm capable of you know if i wasn't capable of doing it i wouldn't do it you know um i kind of know what i can do and what i can't do um i also like to push myself sometimes and you know kind of be creative in certain areas but you know I've definitely had those situations where people are like ooh like who is this guy you know and then they see my work they're like yo i love your work like it, i don't know i think it's a cool experience um like i said i just let the work speak for itself you know
0: what, what are you willing to, to to talk about the accident itself and and about You can ask whatever
2: i'm not i'm not it, it happened so long ago right. that like this is who I am, you know, that I can't change anything about it. I mean, obviously, I had um, – I'll give you – if you want, I can give you a whole, like, short story about it. Sure. yeah, would be mean, great. Yeah. yeah, I w- yeah.
0: I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear and about that and then about the journey because I know that you said you came here. You were young. Yeah. Your family basically came here, I think, because of the accident yeah. to get you the best possible care and just that whole journey and, and, and experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, because you have just an amazing amount of – when you look at – the stories, the things that people want to hear about, you know, like overcoming such a, a, a horrible accident, right. the immigrant experience, right. being an independent businessman at such a right. young—you're a young dude. Right. Uh, like, like there's—it's like each one of those is kind of a story. But yeah, right. let's start. Let's start with the, yeah.
2: the accident. At any time, just feel free to sure. cut me off, <laughs> ask me a question, whatever. And I'll also, I'll try to, um, I'll try to remember a lot from the story. I mean, it happened so long ago. There, I might miss a few things here and there, but um, you know, I seven months old i was a baby and uh, i was born in guatemala um like i said seven months old uh house fire crazy thing is i was the only one in the house nobody else um it happened like a landline lit the house on fire um like i said i was the only one there um i think one of my cousins got went into the house saved me um this is all what my mom told me i i don't remember a thing i was like i said i was seven months old you know, I believe when that accident happened, um, the left side of my arm was like badly, like severely burned, you know. Um, I think my mom told me like it could have had a chance to survive, but the doctors were just like, We have to cut it, whatever. Mm. I mean, cool, I was seven months old. I don't I really don't right, know. You didn't but, have a choice. Though. Exactly. Right. Um, and then mm. obviously the treatment in Guatemala, like for burn injuries are not the best as what you can get in like America or in other countries. So my mom made a very hard decision to leave the country and come to America with me. And, you know, I just have to give a huge shout out to my mom. I love my mom. Shout out to moms. Yeah. She's she's amazing for that. She sacrificed her like entire life back there to kind of just like have a better future for me um, to just, you know, put it all for me. And it's, it's something that, you know, I I owe her everything for that. Um, And I came to America really young. I think I was about maybe a couple of like year old at this point, maybe. Um, I first came to Connecticut. I lived in a, I was kind of, I don't know what they're called, but like, I think they're host families. I think that's what it is. Um, I was with a host family in Connecticut. Crazy thing about this host family is they have conjoined twins. So I'm good friends with conjoined twins. um shout out to them too um and then after connecticut um i came to massachusetts there was a host family um in Winter, massachusetts uh that's where I, I went to high school where i grew up for majority of my life um but the reason why i came to massachusetts because there is a hospital called shriner's hospital mm-hmm. that does a bunch of burn injuries treats them all amazing hospital you know they they treat me since i was like a year old to like 18 because 'cause once you no, i think 20, 21, once you're twenty one you can't get treated from them anymore um but they've treated me since I was really young to you know almost twenty one and you know before the surgeries I looked a lot different but um you know now now I'm here after a bunch of surgeries I think I had over maybe like a hundred surgeries it was a lot of surgeries i I really don't know the number but they tell me like over a hundred so um Came to uh, came to Winthrop. Uh, was with that host family my entire life. I I still talk to that host family. Um, you know, the host mother. She had. She's like a grandmother to me. You know, she. I I call her all the time. Um, she has two uh, adopted sisters. They're like my older sisters. I, I love them very dearly. Um, they're all here in Massachusetts. Still living. Having a good time. You know, my her, my grandmother, my and uh, host grandmother. I was out in Florida, enjoying the weather when I'm in <laughs> twenty degree weather out here <laughs> but um yeah that that's kind of like the rundown of like the story you know I've kinda I might have missed some pieces here and there, but that's kind of like a general thing of kind of my life uh, to me it
0: it impacts me the first time you told me like, oh, you were a baby and it just, it impacts me on such a deep level just to think about, I'm a worrier, man. I, Bobby knows me. Bobby's my, essentially, you know, big brother. Uh, yeah. But, like, I worry about stuff happening to my kids all the time. Yeah. And it's hard for me to keep it together just hearing your story. Um, I can't imagine the impact it had on on your mom. Oh, yeah. Um, what would you say about her throughout all of this. I mean, my guess is you were pretty young for most of the surgeries, but still, I mean, those things, they don't, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't go away as a parent, I don't think. I think you always, as a parent, um, second-guess yourself, think coulda, woulda, shoulda about a million yeah. different things. Like, I think that all the time now, just about my oldest son and the way that he changed during COVID, you know, and, and I was talking with my wife the other day about, like, um, you know, and she reels me in. My wife, by the way, is the reason I'm wearing a Henley instead of one of my graphic tees right now. She told me that I should wear a Henley on the show. The wisdom, the wisdom of a woman. She's the reason why I have the beard right now because her and my son want me to have the beard. So you look I don't have much of a say. It looks good. It suits you. Um, but, uh, you know, she was reeling me in because I was really having all these... Beating myself up about my son and the way that during <coughs> COVID I felt like things changed and maybe he became more introverted and less brave to do things, but that's that's not like my fear is something terrible happening to my kids. So I can't imagine the impact of all this on your mom. Like just right. what you, you said <clears throat> that you you, t- you were effusive in your praise of your mom. So to undertake immigrating to the U.S. is not easy. Yeah, my 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 hat is off to anyone. One, dealing with the stigma, dealing with the with bigotry, but just also dealing with language barrier, man yeah. like i can't I'm terrible at foreign languages. I wish I spoke another language, and learning English, my understanding is it is so much less logical a language than basically every other language, so like I, I can't even imagine all that, but just like what would you say about your mom and how she's handled all of this?
2: I mean, my mom's amazing, you know'm you know I, I love her to death i I owe her my life you know she she basically sacrificed her entire life to be here um you know I, I i don't have kids of my own so i really can't say like how i would feel as a parent but you know as as a kid you know i'm I'm very thankful for her as a, as a son you know i i love her to death she she works when she works two jobs she she does everything she can to, to support me um obviously you know as like parents you're gonna clash with them you know you're gonna heads, but at the end of the day we we love each other no matter what and you know um i'm just very thankful that you know she just wanted a better future for for me um for her too um you know that's that's something i really can't pay her back for you know maybe one day when when i'm big and rich maybe (laughs) i'll I'll buy her a house but for right now i can all i can say is i love you and, and thank you for Everything you've done, you know. I, I I do my best to 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 tell her that, you know.
1: That is wow. That's yeah. that, that that's such a strong um, statement about your mom. I think that moms hold us down. Yeah. You know, they. Uh, I was raised by my grandmother, and there was nothing in the world that would have held her back from doing the best that she could, so I had a better life. Exactly. I think. Uh, I think parents just want the best for
2: their kids. You know, yes. at the end of the day they they just want them to be in better positions and I feel like my mom when when she saw that she she knew that even though it might be difficult for her, she knew that in the long run I would have a better life than if I were in Guatemala. You know, and, and that's something that I think every parent thinks of, you know, if they see a position where they can put their kids in better positions, yes. they'll, they'll they'll do it, you know.
1: Tell me, tell me about your mom's. Uh, what, what's her disposition? It, I, I I feel like I know her, but I, I'd like you to share what's her disposition. What is she disposition? A str- is she strong? Is she strict? Oh, she's uh, she. Uh,
2: she's always telling me to get things done. You know, I always need to get things done. Um, and and she's right. You know, sometimes I I, I slack off here and there. And and, you know, my mom, like I said, my mom just wants the best for me. She mm-hmm. just she just wants me to be better than than. What I was in Guatemala, you know, she she wants me to work. She wants me to get the bills done She wants me to help her out, you know, I try my best to do all that, you know, Mm -hmm. there's only so much I can do Mm -hmm. but you know she's she's awesome, you know, even you know she Her English isn't the best but she can speak it. She can understand it. Mm -hmm. She can I talk to her in English. I talk to her in Spanish. I, um, you know, sometimes whenever she needs help writing a text message, I help her out. I, I kind of explain her the words. I tell her how to write it. You know, I, I love her because she just she does the best she can, and, and you know, I, I see that she she tries the best that she that she can, and it's amazing. You know, she's she's an amazing mother, and I love her so much.
1: You know, uh, this is just a any adult watching this, you know. I think Sam what we do is you know we we look at today's society and parents are afraid to talk to their kids because they're afraid to lose their relationships with them you know they're afraid to be stern with their kids they're afraid to tell them the truth yeah and just listening to the story about your mom your mom is the reason that you are here today yeah and you know what that says is that you know as much as we want to believe that the children are our future we 've got to understand that you know our responsibility is is to be there present right you know, and if you 're not willing to have those tough conversations with your kid, then you're probably going to get lost
2: yeah I know when i um <clears throat> when I was thinking about going to college i didn't i didn't want to go to college i i wasn't a fan of college I really didn 't like it but mm. I remember me and my mom would butt heads all the time. She was like, "You need to be a doctor. You need to be an engineer. You need to do all this," and I and you know back then I was like, "I don't want to do any of that." But I, I, growing up and realizing, she just wants me to be in a better position. Yeah, you know, she just wants me to be successful at something. You know, and it wasn't until I really took off with videography, she she finally understood. You know, and so you know, being a parent's hard. You know, I. I don't have I don't have any kids but you know it's it's definitely a it's a it's a big position you got to fill you know
0: it 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 really is very hard i think it's awesome to hear someone that isn't yet a parent themselves just and a younger person acknowledging that like i didn't get it until i had it and i beat myself every single day yeah. i think i'm mm-hmm. doing things wrong especially with my oldest you know he's 7 now he's at the age where like He just doesn't want to do anything. Like, he wants to go home. He wants to read. He wants to play with Legos, which is all great, but, like, I'd like him to be passionate about something. He loves learning. He wants to be a scientist or an engineer, and that's great. But, like, getting him, like, extracurricular activities, like, he always just wants to quit them afterwards, and it's hard to know that fine line between, like, I want to force someone and burn them out on something that, like, by forcing them to do it when they're not ready, but at the same time, you also don't want someone to not have that, like... You have to go through adversity and all that sort of stuff. So, speaking of adversity, I would assume that you have, you you know, just as for anyone, no matter their circumstances. It's such a crazy world out there. You know, there are young videographers out there trying to do, everywhere you go to any sort of AAU tournament, high school game. They 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 really are everywhere, (laughs) but like to make it. And you've gotten in with Tufts, you've gotten in with some other places, you've gotten in uh, like, you're always working, you're always doing stuff, <clears throat> but how did you, how hard was it, how did you get from, okay, I want a camera in high school, this is what I'm, people have hobbies that they get into, right. to this is what I'm going to do as my profession, and I'm going to do it independently, like okay. I'm, I'm going to do it uh, on my own, you know, not working for a bigger company um obviously if you were to go work for some other place your your pay per hour is going to go way down if you're working for someone else but you're also not necessarily going to have to hustle as much to get work every week you know there's a trade-off you're making it on your own you're being you're 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 an LLC uh, you're 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 an independent business but like how do you get from that kid in high school that I want a camera to what you're doing now And, and 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 how hard was it to get there?
2: I mean, it's been a journey. I've been doing this for four or five years, and I know uh, when I started out, I was just obsessed with it. I, I think what really separates people from who like made it, are. are I mean, I'm not saying I've, I've made it. I, I'm far from mating, making it. You know, I, I'm still not where I want to be, but you know, starting off, I was, I was obsessed with what I was doing you know I would I remember in high school classes I would watch YouTube videos on lenses color grading I was just I wanted to learn everything there is to cameras you know I I loved it you can ask my friends like I would talk about camera lenses all the time I would talk about the different types of bodies you know I would talk about like it was it was like a foreign language to me and um you know going out of high school I knew I well, going out of high school, I didn't want a nine-to-five. I never really believed in nine-to-fives. I never really liked them, you know, having to work for somebody else, making their dreams possible where you can make your own dreams possible, you know. Like I I never really liked that idea, you know. And I just want to say my, my I'm very lucky that I made it where I am today because of the people around me, you know everybody's situations different you know some people to get where they want to be they might have to sacrifice certain things and for me i i had to sacrifice you know not going to college you know i i uh you know i maybe some relationships that i had with people they they're like hey go to college go do this and i just you know i butt heads with them because i told them that's not what i wanted to do you know and i i just i believed in myself and, and you know that's that's really like the ultimate thing. As long as you can believe yourself and that you can do it, you can do it. You know, there's no one else gonna stop you, but but yourself. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's your world. You know, like I, that's that's I, I wake up every day and I, I can I believe that I can do it. You know, and 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 I can do it. Um, and so going uh, going out of high school, I went to college for a year. Even though I said I I didn't, I I did mm-hmm. go to college for a year. Um, you know, my, some of my family, my, some of my family hosts, uh, host family kind of pushed me to just try it out. And I was like, sure, whatever. I, um, I went to NEC, New England College up in, uh, New Hampshire, uh, majored in photography. It was in the art campus. Wasn't really a fan of it. I made a good, good few friends. You know, I'm not, not hating on the people there. They're very good people. I just, it wasn't for me. You know, I didn't never, never didn't like the idea of it you know and so oh
1: well, it's hard because you don't want i think most of the kids you know, when you mention it well you know do you want to be a doctor your mom says, should she be a doctor should yeah. you be a lawyer well i mean I, I think that most of our kids now they, they fill their heads with other people's ideas yeah and it sounds like you just you know, even even warm. during
2: college like i would come back home to my hometown and i would film games for them you know on nice. the weekends i'd get bus tickets back home and i, I would go film games like i was obsessed with it even while i was in college and you know for some people covid was a bad thing for other people it was a good thing and for me it was a good thing you know because that's that's when i left college you know once covid hit i was like it's it's my chance i just i just gotta go obviously there was that period where nobody could leave but Mm. i i i took the chance and i just left college
0: it, it, there's so many questions I want to ask. Yeah. I'm going to try, try and be... <laughs> Go right ahead. I'm D- going to try, try and be um, organized in my thoughts, yeah. which is a big struggle I'm, for me and my ADHD brain. I'm,
2: I'm very... <laughs> I'm the same way. I I can talk for yeah. days. Like I'm very shy at first, but once you like get to know me and kind of have a conversation, like I can talk about anything. I'm, I'm an open book.
0: Um, So during COVID, when it first hit, everything shut down. They were put in... Boards up over basketball hoops at the park and nailing them down so people mm-hmm. couldn't even go play ball there. I know once things opened up, that's when I got back into videography because I had a very long and circuitous route to working as a multimedia journalist. After, after you know my my baseball career came to an end and went back to graduate school and multimedia journalism for a while and being a videographer and then got into teaching and wound up during COVID getting back into video production videography. Um, but for you that you were in it and you'd started it before COVID, is my understanding you first started really getting into videography, um and then everything shuts down for a while there's no aau tournaments there's no high school sports and then when it first opens back up nobody's allowed to be at them Mm -hmm. what did you do to keep honing and perfecting your craft when there was no sports to film when it first hit what did you do during that period to stay getting better. Cause I know it's like, you always have to keep right. improving and, and just staying ready. But what did you do when there was, there was no sports and there was no access to sports early on during COVID?
2: So luckily before COVID, like I said, I would come back to my high school and film like a bunch of games, like even like towns near them, I would come film. I would, so I had a bunch of footage just like there. And so during COVID I would just mess around color grade, just, you know, make little edits here and there. Um, that that's pretty much how I stayed kind of active during COVID. But once COVID ended, even during COVID, like I would reach out to people, be like, Hey, do you want to go film a video? Hey, do you want to go do this? Do you like, I would constantly send people messages just getting, trying to get work somewhere, mm. you know? And then eventually I think this was a while back ago. I uh, reached out to a lacrosse tournament. Um, I was like, Hey, uh, could I come film this lacrosse tournament? Um, I think it was in like New Hampshire or somewhere. And I didn't know how I was going to get to New Hampshire. I didn't have a car back by then. But I just knew I wanted to go film. And I just constantly just messaged people. I just reached out and I just wanted to work. I wanted to film. Even if I didn't get paid, I just wanted to film. That's that's all I was obsessed with, just learning more about my camera and just creating, you know?
0: Um. How did you when did you first start charging? And I think that's a struggle for a lot Mm of uh, videographers is, you know, early on you want to get clips out there and you can't really start charging before people know your worth. But if you set that bar too low or you do too much for other people for free, people are going to start just, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to take advantage, a lot of people out there that that. The world connected to sports videography, like the AAU world, the whatever, uh, there's a lot of unscrupulous people, you know, hey, come do it for exposure. Come do it for whatever. And, yeah, you need to get a certain amount of exposure. We talked about this with Bobby Media. But, like, how long into your career did you start charging and how did you know how to start running a business out of it and and how to start setting your worth? Right. Because you're great with us here. Yeah. You know your worth and you set it. But, like, how did you get to that
2: point? So – Along the journey, I met a friend named Luke. His name is LSG Visuals on Instagram. Amazing dude! I want to give a huge shout out to him because without him, I wouldn't be at Tufts, I wouldn't be at Yale. You know, great guy. He's also really good on the business side. He's he knows everything. He was the one that told me to get LLC, everything. And before I met him, I was on the waters about pricing everything. I just, I I honestly didn't. At the time, I, I didn't really care about the money because I was also young, you know, at the time, like my parents provided a lot of the things for me. So I, I was really young. But when I met him, you know, he started teaching me like, you know, know your worth, know, you know, experiment with the pricing here a little bit there. Um, and then eventually I just I, I stuck with a price, you know, and I got this mentality where if people don't want to pay it, that's OK. You know, there's gonna be someone that's gonna pay your rate, and there's gonna be someone that, what is gonna hire you mm-hmm. because of your work. They see your work and they know it's good, and so they pay for it. You know, and if they don't want to pay the rate, then it's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. You just keep reaching out, keep throwing yourself out there, keep offering stuff, and eventually someone's gonna pay it. You know, I I don't I don't get too. I used to get caught up on people like not paying. I used to get like like come on man like it's just another hundred bucks you know what i mean but like at the end of the day i kind of realized that there is going to be someone out there who's going to pay what you're worth you know there there are people who are going to like your work and are going to be like hey this is worth it let's get them again let's pay for it you know and that's kind of how i did it i just experimented i i stuck with a price and you know if people don't like the price you know just move on mm-hmm. you know they, they aren't meant to be
0: bobby how did you know when to, what what you were going to start charging when you were starting to work i know that you were on the other end where you as a pro you know you had you, you you got used to 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 paying or a percentage of your contract or anything for for that sort of training but but how did you know and and now you work with a, a, a different sort of uh client base with a lot of high school kids as opposed to when you first were in it you were working with pros mm-hmm. for you how you know how did you know where to start setting your price point at
1: so I was, I was fortunate enough to, to have a, a resume, you know, from playing. Um, I didn't know about the rest of the business, but I did have Wayne Albert, yeah. And because I was paying him a good portion of what I considered a good portion of my salary, I said, well, wait a minute, if I'm willing to do this for this type of quality... Then others should be willing to do the same. Uh, for me, when you know, when I entered the business, so um, I think that was you know, I just had had a great example in front of me, and you know, it was either going to work or it wasn't. But I couldn't take less than what I figured I was worth. You know, after I just you know, had so much experience with it. It's a little bit different today um, in the fact that, um, you know. I started with Wayne because of the impact that he made on me personally, you know, and now I get to do the same with the kids that I deal with. So the impact is personal um, with the kids and with the parents, and if parents want that, then uh, I, I do my best to provide it. You know, it's, it's just not, it's not a business transaction, so.
0: It seems like both you guys had a, uh, sort of mentors in your sp- perspective fields, like how important was it having someone who was trustworthy, like showing you kind of the way? Uh, Bobby, with Wayne, you were also talking about in your career that's someone that someone you really credited a lot with. Like, like how big was that having someone that that you could trust who, who kind of showed you the ropes?
2: I mean, it's it's huge. You know, I, I think at the time when I met him, you know, I I wanted to work with Division One schools. I wanted to work with top colleges you know i wanted uh, i think at the time i wanted to work with harvard women's lacrosse i wanted to film their entire season i had a friend who did the men's lacrosse and he was like yeah the women's love want content you know i'll try to put you in with that and then he luke reached out to me and he was like hey i'm doing uh content for the men's lacrosse team the women's team want content as well you know they're not division one but they're top five in the country every year you know do you want to come film for them and you know he he took a chance on me, and that's a, a chance that you know I I thank him every day for you know because I was just a kid with a dream of filming a, a, a top collegiate schools, and you know he he took a chance on that. And if I called him up today, asked him a question, he'd answer. You know he's 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 a great guy, and uh, I got to give a huge shout out to Luke because you know without him, a lot of my career wouldn't be
1: happening. Yeah, I mean people they don't deal with me today because they like me. They deal with me because they trust me. You know, it's that that uh, that Stephen Covey book, "Speed of Trust." You know, so um, you know we're together because we trust each other. You know, families argue, but in the end, you know, if you trust each other, you 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 form a bond that normally can't be broken.
0: What for you was it? You're you're still young, but like when you first started out, like. I think one of the stumbling blocks I see a lot of young videographers, and I certainly had it at times for myself, um, but I've seen it with others, is being self-starters. And when you don't have a teacher or a coach or someone saying, you need to be here this time, this day, do put this work in to be out there on the field, be out there on the court, or to be getting a good grade in my class. Um, When you get out on your own, I feel like a lot of kids struggle with that. Everybody wants to go to the event and film it. But putting together the final product, sitting down, locking yourself away, edits take a while, and it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of fine details, and it's a lot of – and if you're working for yourself and you don't have someone over your shoulder saying, like, When's it, when is it done, when is it done, like, do this, do this, do this, how hard for you was it to be – to just stay on top of your work and not yeah. let it – not just – Keep putting it off. Keep putting it off. I think that's something that a lot of young kids struggle with. That are that are getting into the videography field is like the idea of the concept of a deadline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The concept of uh, I filmed this game this week. Okay, maybe I won't get this edit done if they play on a Tuesday by the Thursday game. But if I don't get this edit done in the next week to two, it's kind of old news, and people aren't really gonna like that churning it and that's the other thing too is that like to make a career out of it where you can support yourself you always have to be on to the next project it can't be I'm going to take forever on this edit take weeks and weeks and weeks or months and you also always kind of have to be thinking about the next thing you can't bask in the glow for too long because you know you you have to be getting work out to build your portfolio to stay relevant also to keep money in your pocket like how hard was it to get that sort of to stay on top of yourself and your own work.
2: I mean it's 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 hard. Even like nowadays I, I still struggle to, you know, sit down and edit. But, you know, luckily like when I do Tufts Lacrosse, like I have a contract. Even like with you, you know, we we have that three day period where I need to get it done within those three days. Um, even with like Tufts I have to get it done in like forty eight hours, sometimes twenty four hours and having those deadlines and kinda having, I guess like a person like for me, like Luke, like I know Luke wouldn't necessarily get mad at me. he would not really, but he would mostly be disappointed. you know it's mostly about disappointing that person, you know it's I think of it it's bigger than me. It's not just about me, it's about the team. you know it's for the edit for the team, it's the edit for for them, not me um and so i just I just lock in I don't know i just I sit down and i just I don't think about it. I think if you think about it too much. It will stop you from doing what you actually have to do. Um, there's this two-second rule where you just count one, two, and you just do it. You don't think about it; you just do it. And I think that's that's what I've been doing a lot. You know, like I said, sometimes I I still get like a little lazy here and there, and I I I can't get the edit done. But you know, at the end of the day, when you have those deadlines set in, it's really important because it can push you to do that.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It's like we're always recovering procrastinators right yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean for bobby is that a struggle i mean for you too where it's you've got a family you've got kids you've got you know i know look that like uh that finances are a big motivator for people that none of us have enough money to just rest on our laurels for the rest of our lives but like um, for you, Bobby, is there ever a, man, maybe I should just take this week off. Maybe I don't feel like getting out. It's it's cold. It's snowing. It's whatever. Uh, how do you, what what prepared you to be doing the daily grind when it's no longer out in front of bright lights and thousands of people cheering
1: for you? Um, I think my childhood prepared me for it. Because you you don't do it for anyone else but yourself. You know, when you're walking around, when I'm walking around with my basketball or I'm doing my push-ups or, you know, whatever, it wasn't for any bright lights. It was for me to figure out how good I could be. So I think, you know, what the difficult part was is when, you know, you start getting paid for it and you, you, you overestimate the importance of it and you underestimate, you know, what it took for you to get there. You know, it's all, well, I deserve this. I deserve this. And I think I had to constantly remind myself that, you well, know, I love this. It's not that I deserve it. You know, there are plenty of people out there deserving. But if as long as I give my best, I can figure out where I'm going to get to. And, uh, you know, that's about it. You know, it was never for anyone else. The kids that I deal with today, I do it because I love to do it. I love to be that difference maker. Um, it's It's not for them right there's no altruistic uh vision in this it's that i just believe that i'm supposed to do it you know it's it's what i love to do so but there are days when i say man i'm tired of this shit <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what is this kid thinking you know but uh again it's uh when you're when you're tasked with a uh, responsibility you know something that you love to do it, it becomes your responsibility so
0: brandon what makes a good edit to you? What, what, are the, what are the things that you need in a video? Because it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, when you film high school or, like, small suburban high school versus a big-time high school versus college, Division three versus Division one, you're dealing with different level athletes. You're dealing with different in-the-moment shots you can get like it's almost like the higher the level of the athlete the less slow mo you kind of have to have to use you can almost shoot at 60 frames per like if you're shooting the NBA you don't always need to shoot at 120 because they do such crazy stuff and they change pace on their own so they almost give you that change of pace with just their natural athletic ability you don't really have that when you're shooting division 4 high school suburban school but like there are certain things that you know That people use and your videos to me they're just so crisp and they're just so clean and there's like you don't use crazy transitions i don't think i've ever seen you use a a a film burn or anything in your stuff i still use those for transitions they were bigger a couple years ago but i still kind of like the look and stuff if you've you're like how am i going to change from this to the next thing like i'll put a little overlay or something but like to you what are the things that 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 you are always looking to include in your videos that make a good sports edit
2: so obviously the number one thing is for me is like i just want to keep it clean and simple i think the color grading is very important um you know like i said i want to keep it clean i want to keep it simple you know doing too much can kind of distract the viewer you know um i've always tell myself that story is the number one thing Mm -hmm. you know even though like in a lot of the edits that i've done maybe there wasn't a huge story aspect to it but you know story is like the number one thing you know as is, is if you can provoke an emotion in the viewer you know you, you've already won their their view you know um when i do editing i just there's three things i just want to make sure I, I get correctly the color grade um i make sure my sound is is good um sometimes i do a little bit of sound design not really um but sound design is very important because what's the second thing you you do when you watch a video you listen you know so sound design is very important um but color grade you know if you can really get the colors perfectly not perfect but to almost almost perfect then you know that's really well um for the sports stuff that i do is i make sure you know color sound design um you know i try to tell a story in in my edits um not really for like the instagram stuff because that's just like fun editing but like for like the tufts Cross, i try to tell a story i try to you know, provoke an emotion.
1: You know, so now, do you do that with the music that you choose for your videos? Also, do you spend a lot of time like listening to uh, the, the the lyrics of something? that
2: So, for the tough season, I try tried to do like the mu- music is kind of like the hardest part okay. when editing. It's it's it really is the hardest part just because sometimes the music can really make the edit too. You know, if if you can find the right song to it, you know, you have you know. Uh, there was this. I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, the BU edit with the uh, the guy who says "Hi, mom." Like, yeah, that that one's, that, that, that one's I'm all. Sorry. I,
0: I want to try and get Otto on the show. That and like, it's, to me, that edit, the fact that it's blown up so much, yeah. I still can't. I mean, the algorithm's crazy. Like I said, yeah. we had a couple of edits here that were not our best shots. Yeah. They are great plays. But that got hundreds of thousands yeah. of views, and you know we're usually tens of thousands yeah. of views on on stuff for a small public access station, you know. But like, it was a short edit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the craziest footage I've ever seen. You know, it was like kind of a basic dunk, yeah. Sort of a sort of a kind of second dunk with contact, a couple of shots of the kid before yeah. game, like hi mom. But I think the song is what made it blow yeah. up mm-hmm. so like,
2: much. Mm-hmm. That's why finding the song is kind of. A difficult thing because the song could really make or break it you yeah. know i've i've had songs where i just chose silly goofy songs and they they get like a lot of views and it's like i don't know i think if you can find a song that fits perfectly with the edit then then you're golden too you know um that's why I like when i do like the edits for you i try to find like a like a hip-hop type yep. thing for like basketball you know um i don't know a lot of it too is like what i vision in my head you know, I kind of have an idea before going into the edit um, what I want to create. And so I kind of try to find the music with the edit. So that's, you know, that's how I kind of find it, too. What do
0: you look for in your establishing shots before? Because I've gotten, you know, establishing shots for me. Sometimes I overdo it. Like yeah. I, I, was, I had one that I actually was way more proud of the, the intro than the actual footage. I shot the mm-hmm. girls, ba- girls basketball playing in Lexington not yeah. that long ago. I thought I was, it was good. I was I was really happy with the the shots around Lexington I used to establish yeah. the story. Uh the color grading was kind of crap on it. Like I, I just the gym good. wasn't well lit. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um but like what what do you look for in your non action shots? Because I think that's something that people you really need something that's not just people dunking or cross people yeah. over or scoring goals or whatever. Like, Because it's about, it's digital storytelling. Like you said, you like to tell a story. Even the Instagram shorts, you want to tell a story. Right. Um, what are the things that you look for on your non-action shots, your establishing shots? What are you trying to get in those?
2: A lot of it's I mostly just try to get the players like warming up. I do stuff like that. I try to do, I've also noticed that I try to get, stuff that aren't the players like the hoop you know throwing baskets in the hoop Um, I think in one of the videos I did for you I did the Wilmington sign in the beginning you know I stuff that aren't the player but also kind of shows you what the edit is that kind of so like if you do like a like a shot clock you know it's it's a shot clock for a basketball game so you know you're at a basketball game Um, if you do a shot of a basketball you know just just the basketball itself you know you're you know you're at a, that story. yeah you yeah. kind of it'll show you hey we're about to watch a basketball at it you know even if it's not just the player even if you do maybe like a i don't know um maybe uh the crowd or or i don't know stuff that isn't the player but also helps tell the story you know it can be random too you know maybe like a pair of basketball shoes on the on the court you know um i think those help as well um I'm not the greatest when it comes to the B-roll. Um, it's crazy because when I edit, I do the action part first before the B-roll. So, like, when the bass drops or when the beat drops, I that's where I start my edit, and I do everything, and then I do the intro shots. So it's kind of, like, weird, but, like, I feel like once I get, like, the main... I, I think of it as kind of like a burger. Once I get the main patty done, like... Then I do like the the mail, the bonds, everything else. Like that's that's how I kind of do it. It's it's a little weird, but I I do all that first, and then I do the the intro shots. But what
0: what do you what are your dreams, your career goals at this point? You know, you're still you're very young guy. You're very early, but like, what what what's the hope? What's the the next five, ten years? What are you
2: hoping? Um. This is something I've been thinking about recently. You know, I College? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um I don't know. This is something I've been con- kind kinda of pondering recently. Um and I feel like every day is going is every day is going by so fast. I feel like I just turned twenty three, like yesterday, even though it was like four four or five months ago in mm-hmm. September. You know, like it, it's every day is going by so fast. So I it's something I've been pondering Um, Maybe I'd love to do, like, motivational speaking. I'd love to really uh, motivate people in my position, you know, regardless if they're a burn survivor or not. I'd love to, you know, push people to be able to do what they want to do in their life. Um, I've also been into running a lot recently, so maybe I want to do a marathon, you know, raise some money for the hospital that helped me out so much. You know, that's something I think I would love to do in the next two years or so. sure uh yeah yeah that I think that that would be a huge thing. Um I don't know. I I'm just living life. You know, I just I just wake up every day with a smile and I'm just happy to get another day. You know, I I uh I should be thinking about what I want to do in 5 10 years, but I just I just take every day day by day and I uh you know, I'm I'm just thankful to be here.
0: I mean, you're so young, man. If you can if you can be happy every day and enjoy the day, that's a big accomplishment yeah now I'm 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 gonna be 40 in May which to me is crazy um, and now I'm in that point of like I don't want to let life pass me by I don't want to yeah. miss out on these moments but like if you can you're 23 and you can just and you're working the way that you are man yeah. that's more than a lot of 23 year olds are doing mm-hmm. um, if you're able to just get the most out of every day that's that's something yeah Running a marathon—that's pretty cool. So Bobby and I interviewed someone last yeah. year, a guy named Daniel Bucklew, yeah. who uh, has MS and okay. was running his second Boston Marathon. He's going to be running his third this year, um, and and that was to him, it was a big thing for him. Was like, I want to run a marathon. For him, it was more when he was at the the depths of his diagnosis, and he's had some really miraculous responses to treatments and all that. But like, a marathon's a big thing. A lot of people—if you can, uh, that'd be awesome to see, man. Yeah. You have to get I, someone else there to go film you and do. Yeah, do, do. probably.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I've just, I've just started going into it. Maybe like September, I started started running around August. Maybe, um, I've been trying to aim for like twice a week. I mean, when it was really nice out, I ran like three times a week. It was, yeah. it's fun. It's, I mean, it's, it's not easy, you know, running four miles a day, five miles a day. But it's something that when I finish and when I get done, I know I did it. You know, and that, I think that's the best feeling. You know doing something hard but when you when you do it you're like i just did that you know and and i think that's an amazing feeling and that's why i love running now because when i finish four or five miles i just ran four or five miles right you know two years ago if you asked me that i'd be like you're crazy like i would never run but like now when i do it i'm like i just did that you know now what if, if what happens if i did 10 miles you know Imagine how much like, gra- like instant dopamine you'd get being able to say like I just did that. You yeah, know, I don't like want that much dope. <laughs> 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 no thank you. <laughs> Too much running. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's and like I think the reason why I kind of got into running is just because when I left college I kind of gained a lot of weight because in high school I was really fit like I was really skinny I played a lot of soccer like almost every day and mm-hmm. so I was really skinny but when I went into college like. I didn't really work out as much. I was like, I was kind of eating a lot and you know, the past year or so I was like, dang, like I really just want to get that, that skinny body back. You know, I don't, I'm not so worried about having the six pack. I just want to be able to like feel good in my body and I want to be able to just be comfortable, you know? And if I have to run, like I'll run, like it's part of the process and you know, but I love running now. I think it's awesome. That's
0: awesome. I, I, Working out is an eternal struggle for me at this point, and it used to be life for me. I used to live in the gym. Yeah. I was the same weight I was, but I was carried it. I was I was really pretty ripped. Um, and now Still it's, it's, I, it's, I appreciate that. It's <laughs> it's uh, carrying it not as well as I used to, but um, but it's hard. Like you've got it's like oh I got to pick up the kids, I got to make dinner, I got to like like find in that time. But like it is such a rewarding feeling when I am able to get to the gym or I was doing walks I would love to be able to run my I've had so many knee and back surgeries that that running is not so much in the cards for me at this point but like I was doing a lot of long walks like I go to like Walden Pond in Concord which is pretty famous where like Thoreau lived for a couple Mm -hmm. years and it's nice and doing some other walks in some different areas and and that was a rewarding feeling and going to the gym and lifting weights always feels great but it's it's hard to find that time so it's like If you can do it, man, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Bobby, what do you do to stay? Because you're older than me. We don't need to get into how, but like you you still look like you could go out there and drop twenty on in a pro league. Like what? what, But what do you do to work out at your age
1: at this point? Well, I'm in the gym every day, so I can't very, very much walk around my gym and not do anything. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm fortunate. I'm I'm forced to do it because the kids that I deal with need teaching, and if, if I can't demonstrate it then I don't need to be teaching them. <laughs> you know, that's the way I feel about it. So uh, I do my best to stay in the gym. Plus my wife's in unbelievable shape and it pisses me off because I'm not. And <laughs> I don't want my kids to to embarrass me. So this is why I stay in shape. <laughs> uh, Brandon, you know,
0: what What advice would you give to to young kids? You see young kids everywhere. I mean, there's young kids here in, in Wilmington. I, I really want to get them here in the studio more. Um, you know, there are kids that you see that are that are at at games with, with their own cameras and stuff. But, like, I'd like to get them in here more to be able to, to teach them. But what advice would you give the young kids that are just starting out? They're like, I want to learn. You know, a, a kid messaged me the other day, like, I want to learn how to make mixtapes. I want to learn how to make highlight videos. What advice would you give the kids who are just starting out on how to – go down the same path that you've gone down
2: you gotta have a lot of drive and you gotta want it um i think that's that's ultimately like the the, the best advice i can give because when i first started out it's all i can think about just filming editing learning like that's all i thought about um and, and you know ultimately that obsession led me to where i am today um you know I hope a lot of these kids make it. You know, I hope a lot of them do. And, you know, like I said, if you really want it and you believe in yourself, you can definitely do it. But, you know, as you grow older, and this is something that I kind of realize, you you start to get a lot of responsibilities. You know, you start to have to get things done. You know, you're going to have to start to charge because you have a bill coming up that you got to pay. You know, um, when I was in high school, obviously, I didn't have any of those responsibilities. So I got to kind of just shoot for fun or or, or go film for for whatever you know but if you really do want to make it as a career you know you're gonna have to obsess over what you do you know you're gonna have to learn every day you're gonna have to research everything about it you know um like i said as you grow older you know you just start to get more responsibilities you know i uh, right now i pay like my own insurance my health insurance my car insurance like i pay my own phone bill like I pay for everything, you know, and so I have to make this work because I have nothing else, you know. So it's it's kind of just like there's a saying like you burn the boats. Is that the saying? Mm-hmm. And, and so I kind of mm-hmm. my point in my career, like I had nothing else. I, I burned the boats. There was nothing else, so I had to make it work, you know. Even if I had to film twenty games for a hundred dollars a game, you know, I, I would do it because I had to make it work, you know. And so. It, you just got to obsess with it and you got to just have nothing else, you know, and every, everybody's situation's different. You know, I, I, like, like I said, I was, I was in an environment that I made this work. You know, some people's environments might be different and some people might be going through different things than others. And so you just have to figure out a way around it to make it work.
1: You know, you know, those are what you just said was what many people who are successful, um, relay when, when, on podcasts or whatever, you know, I heard Roseanne Barr one day. Uh, she was being interviewed, and, and they asked her, uh, you know, the question, "You know, well, why are you successful?" And she said, "You know, everybody always told me that mm-hmm. I needed something to fall back on, but I figured if I had something to fall back on, I'd never make it." Yep. So she gave it her everything, you know, just to because she loved it. Exactly, she wanted to be successful, and, and I
2: had nothing else once I left college. I had nothing else, you Mm -hmm. know, when, when I, before I left college, my mom told me like, you have this certain amount of money in the bank, Mm -hmm. whether you want to go get a car with it or we use it on your college. Right. And I, I I was like, why not? You know, I, I mean, everything happens for a reason, Yes. but you know, I went to college and I had nothing else. You know, I had, I had to make it work. You know, I had no school. I did. I didn't want to work a job. I only worked one job ever in my life and that was Amazon. I worked at a Amazon, uh. Amazon Fresh, I think. And like, I was putting like food in like bags, sending it out to people. And I was like, how do people do this? You know? And, and I mean, no hate to them. Right. You know, people got pe- people to people do. Gotta do what they got to do. But yep. it just, I, I couldn't do it. You know, I just, I just had to make this work whatever way possible. You know? Well,
0: Brando, your, your story is, is, one of the absolute most inspiring out there and i i I almost feel like it's like we need to have you come back on again in six months there's so much more that we haven't even gotten into of the yeah the journey and all that but like it's been a really an absolute pleasure and honor working with you you push everyone here to be better the community loves you like you're, you're you're just an incredible videographer and 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 we're really thankful that you you joined us on the show today
2: Course. Yes,
1: thank you for coming Of
2: in. course, thank you guys, and, you know, thanks, you know, thanks for the opportunity for, for having me here. You know, Wilmington's an amazing community, you know. Only been here for a couple of months and only been at a few games, but, you know, the community is just amazing. Everybody knows everybody, and, you know, when you know you have that team behind your back, like, that's the best feeling ever, and, you know, thank you guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you.